Greetings, folk. It's Nick Spoo Engel speaking, and I'd like to read now from Matthew chapter 5. This is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. And when he saw the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And opening his mouth, he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I've made a note here in my Bible, um, next to the word poor, that that is the word ptochos, ptochos, uh, which means to crouch and a loss of independence and to be completely dependent on God. It's number f- double four three four in the Strong's reference. I've got a feeling that there's more to it though as well. So, um, so perhaps we could say, "Blessed are those who are completely dependent on God in spirit." But I need to go into that a little bit more. So I'll reach that research that a little bit further. Reading now verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, humble, or meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I just want to say something about the times that we are living in right now with the the violence, the injustices, the and some of us are not listening to to each other and are not listening to uh, those that are suffering and have been suffering for a long time. Um, if, we, if we just take that one passage that I've just read, verse 5, Blessed are the gentle, the humble, and the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. One can hear a lot from... Um, the tone of somebody's voice or the sarcasm or the, the way that they they speak. Certainly there were times when Jesus felt righteous anger and overturned tables and got angry, but that uh, was driven and motivated by a sense of injustice. So, so that righteous anger fueled an action which drove the money changers out of the the temple, um, where they were making uh, God's house, as it were, a house of merchandise. And I think I think today, one of the issues that we're facing is the issue of financial prosperity. That it's it's those that have that are. Uh, oppressing those that that have not, and so if we look at scripture, uh, Jesus is consistently saying things like, uh, "The Spirit of the Lord's upon me because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor." If we just if we just look at some of just a couple of passages about the poor, I'm going to read from Job. Um, chapter 30, verse 
25. Have I not wept for the one whose life is hard, and was was my soul grieved? Was not my soul grieved for the poor and the needy? Okay, so it, it talks there about not just seeing and thinking and doing and helping, but it talks about actually being grieved and feeling the emotions of the of the poor. I just want to say something that happened to me yesterday. So, so yesterday I taught uh, the music lesson in the morning, and then on the way back, there was a guy, a poor brother, that came to my window, said, you know, and he needed um, food and and stuff, and so I began to engage with him. I mean, so he began to share his story with me and his mom was in hospital and there was a whole lot of stuff going on in his life. He was battling for money to get to the hospital. He had to support a sister um, and there was a whole lot of stuff going on. So let's pause a moment again. What's happening there? Why am I... Why, why am I switching now why have i why have i switched from reading um out of the beatitudes in matthew then to reading from job about the the poor now i'm telling you a story from my life about what happened with the poor guy so there's a thread running through and what is happening in our world uh the poor are suffering and so and i want to i want to say something now and i'm going to speak it and say it like it is, which I have not, um, I've not really addressed the race issue publicly uh, head on. I've spoken about justice and righteousness and so on, but this was a black brother. So part of the reason why he's poor is because he's black. Now we we're in South Africa here, so we've got. A historical system which was evil, the apartheid system, and people were poor, so I was wealthy. And when I say I was wealthy, I was part of a group of people, and I don't feel guilty, I don't feel ashamed of being a white uh, person, but I did grow up with uh, privilege in a lush, leafy, green suburban area, and I'm still today relatively comfortable compared to many of those that are suffering around me. So so nothing has really changed radically for me since that era of the apartheid system. And I also want to say something about about systems that systems are living things. So gonna I'm gonna use a phrase now which might seem radical, but the apartheid system was living inside of us. Why why did we as white people call black people a, uh, let's give an example, in our homes? So a lot of us um, were taught or, or called an older black person, um, girl, or boy, uh, as in our domestic workers, we would call them, even if 
Let's say I was 10 years old. I, a white person would call their, their maid girl and, a, um, and their gardener boy. Even if the child was 10 years old and that, that maid, domestic worker, and that gardener were 60 years old. I just want to say something about my own parents, so just so that if they listen to this, they they don't feel like I'm speaking about them. And my my personal experience was was not that case, but I'm speaking for us collectively as as white people linked to that system. I just want to read a passage or a number of passages about the poor. Um, so I'll start in Job. So Job was uh, just speaking about about the poor. In chapter 29, verse 12, he writes, Because I delivered the poor who cried for help and the orphan who had no helper, the blessing of the one ready to perish came upon me. And I made the widow's heart sing for joy. So this is God's heart. You know, the prophets are, are always ranting and raving about how we treat the, the orphans, the widows, the, the foreigners, and the poor, those four categories of people, because they need advocacy. They need a voice to speak for them because they don't have uh, their money and to buy, as it were, um, quote-unquote, justice. Um Verse 14, I put on righteousness, this is Job, uh, the King James actually says, sorry, the King James says the same as his righteousness there, but then justice, the New American says, my justice was like a robe and a turban, and the King James says, my judgment was like a robe and a turban. So, righteousness and justice and judgment are, are words that are, that come out of those in, in the different translations. Verse 15, I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy and I investigated the case which I did not know. So defending, so, so human rights lawyers, for example, or social workers or those that work in social justice to advocate for the poor, this is speaking about those, those people. Okay, I'm going to move to the next chapter now, uh, chapter 30, verse 25. Have I not wept for the one whose life is hard? Have I not wept? So we need to be weeping, folk. We need to be allowing ourselves to be affected by these emotions around us and not just be clinical and cognitive in our brains. Our hearts need to be involved, our, our emotions. also want to say something about the emotions in the flesh. Sometimes we confuse or we mix them up. We are not to be ruled by the flesh, but the Bible doesn't say we are not to feel. Emotions are part of um, our spirituality, and, and it's, it's actually dri it's, it becomes a driving force for healing. Jesus felt compassion and he healed. He was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So, so compassion and mercy have to do with our emotions, and they actually uh, are positive things when they come from being affected by somebody who's suffering because they motivate us to act on their behalf. 
So was not my soul grieved for the needy? When I expected good, then evil came. When I waited for light, then darkness came. I am seething within and cannot relax. Days of affliction confront me and I go about mourning without comfort. Another translation says, Blackened but not by the heat of the sun. I stand up in the assembly and cry out for, for help. So it speaks about us doing exactly what I'm doing here. Uh, sending, speaking up and sending it out into the open square and letting people know about it as God works inside our, our hearts. I just want to pray. Father, I just pray that you touch, touch us, touch me. Use these words as we listen to you, Lord. We listen to your word. Let us be touched. Let us be moved, Lord. Let us not just be uh, in our heads, Lord, but let our hearts be affected by your word, by by those that are suffering around us, so we can be relevant to the society and the age that you've called us to and that we're living in right now. Okay, going across to verse 13 of chapter 31. If I have despised the claim of my male or female slaves. So we need to be paying a just weight. We need, we need to be listening to those that work with us, that work for us if we, if we are employers. So in 1989, my spiritual father, Peter Fenikirk, challenged us at a church camp. And he said, are we paying a just wage? Um to our domestic workers. We were a, a white church basically at that time and he was challenging us. We were living in a, a nice leafy green suburban area and in Westville and, and that was the challenge that was issued to us. One of the challenges, other questions that he asked us were um, you know, does the uh, image of God have something to do with the color of our, our skin? Is there such a thing as an unjust Law, um, is the church accountable for justice in society? Um, and what color is justice? And fortunately, we also we also addressed. Um, he also addressed where, where words in terms like civil disobedience, because if and at that time we still had the the part, we were still in the apartheid system and. Uh, and the, the law was unjust, so we had to look at where does that law go against the, the word of God. And uh, we are told to obey, in the Bible, to obey governments as long as, and in, uh, except for where it directly goes against the word of God. Then we are to obey the word of God. So, but those are, that's a whole, uh, that's a whole nother section. So, so I want to focus back now again on the present and on the and on these passages on the poor. So I'm reading um so I'm reading out of Job chapter um thirty verse sorry thirty one verse thirteen. If I have despised the claim of my male or female servants when they filed a complaint against me. me. What then could I do when God arises and when he calls me to account? What will I answer 
him. Did not he who made me in the womb make me in the same one fashion and the same one fashion us in the womb? See my budgies agreeing with the word of God. Verse 16. If I've kept the poor from their desire or have caused the eyes of the widow to fail or have eaten my morsel alone and the orphan has not shared it but from my youth he grew up with me as with a father and from infancy I guided her if I've seen anyone perish for lack of clothing or that the needy had no covering if his loins have not thanked me and if he has not being warmed with the fleece of my sheep, if I have lifted up my hand against the orphan, because I saw I had support in the gate, let my shoulder fall from the socket and my arm be broken off at the elbow, for calamity from God is a terror to me, and because of his majesty I can do nothing. Okay, so there's more there, but so that's a strong challenge to us. But let's let's move on to to the next passage. In fact, let me just say something about what the Word of God does inside of us. So it's not the Word of God is not always comfortable. And I think Jamie Buckingham said the truth will set you free, but first it will it may make you miserable. So just because I'm feeling uncomfortable when when I read certain parts of the Word of God, doesn't mean that God isn't uh, working inside of me. So our emotions are part of this um, thing. So let's let's read on. Verse sixteen: If I have kept the poor from their desire, or have caused the eyes of the widow to fail, or have eaten my morsel alone, and the orphan has not shared it, but from my youth he grew up with me as with a father, and from infancy I guided. Her. If I have seen anyone perish for lack of clothing, or that the needy had no covering, if his loins have not thanked me, and if if he ha he has not been warmed with the fleece of my sheep, if I have lifted up my hand against the orphan, because I saw I had support in the gate. Let my shoulder fall from the socket and my arm be broken off at the elbow. So it's like, it's, a, it's a, he's really challenging himself, uh, Job. And yeah, we, this is a serious thing. This is obviously the Old Testament. However, a lot of it is still relevant. And I think, I think the prophets, and Job was in many senses also a prophet, um, they challenged us about these issues. So I'm challenging myself. Okay, let's read further to Job 34 verse um, verse 19. Okay, let's go back up a little bit to verse 16. But if you have understanding, hear this. Listen to the sound of my words. Shall one who hates justice rule, and will you condemn a righteous mighty one who says to a king, worthless one, to nobles, wicked ones, who shows no partiality to princes, nor regards the rich above the poor? For 
They are all the work of his hands. In a moment they die, and at midnight people are shaken and pass away, and the mighty are taken away without a hand. Okay, let's move down to verse 28. Okay, backing up a little bit to 27. They turned aside from following him and had no regard for any of his ways. Any of God's ways. Verse 28. So that they caused the cry of the poor to come to him and that he might hear the cry of the afflicted. When he keeps quiet, who then can condemn? And when he hides his face, who then can behold him. That is, in regard to both nation and man, so that the godless men should not rule nor be snares of the people. In other words, we cannot keep quiet, we cannot be silent. I want to read a quote from, uh, I think it's Reinhold, not Reinhold, um, it's a quote about speaking up for people, and it says they came for the Communists, they came for the different people, and there was no one to speak up. I just want to read that quote. I just want to read a, a quote by Martin Niemöller. He, he lived from 1892 to 1984 and was a prominent Lutheran pastor in Germany. He emerged as an outspoken public foe of Adolf Hitler and spent the last seven years of Nazi rule in concentration camps. He is perhaps best remembered for his post-war words. First they came for the so socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. So what is the purpose of me reading that quote? If I'm not speaking up for somebody who needs a voice, who needs somebody to speak for them, uh, firstly, I'm being unjust towards that person, and secondly, eventually, when I need someone to speak for me, nobody's going to be speaking up for me. So... I'm individually responsible and we are all collectively responsible to be speaking up and advocating for those who need a voice, those whose voice has been suppressed, those less fortunate than ourselves, those that are, um, yeah, that need, need somebody to, to, to speak for them. 